Welcome to the Take 5 podcast from Fortinet. You give us a few minutes and we provide five cybersecurity insights based on current trends impacting today's technology leaders. This podcast series taps into the experience from the Fortinet Field CISO team focusing on the impact of convergence across key industries and technologies. I'm your host, Renee Tarrant, Fortinet's Deputy CISO, and today we're talking with Jim Richberg, Fortinet's Field CISO for the public sector. And he'll be talking about the convergence of security and networking. Welcome, Jim. It's great to be here, Renee. So Jim, let's start off with talking about, you know, digital acceleration has led to, you know, the network being used in ways we never imagined in the past. You know, this shift has implications for security, as we know well know. How should leaders in the public sector advance their network security strategy to secure the proliferation of devices and data? That's a great question, Renee. And let's provide some context. Let's turn the clock back two years. I think that until 2020 and the advent of COVID, the government COVID, the government strategy was largely incremental in this area. But then, like virtually everyone else who was dealing with a largely knowledge-based uh, work, government pivoted wholesale to remote. So we saw them do that. We saw them implement security measures such as virtual private networks, multi-factor authentication. But the reality is these were endpoints that were not as secure as government enterprise networks were. And the reality is we watched malicious activity spike dramatically in the year following that. Uh, now, of course, we've moved beyond remote to this hybrid posture and work from anywhere. But if you start at the federal level, 2020 saw them go to remote. Um, and then the following year, we saw President Biden sign the Cyber Executive Order 14028, which, among other things, heavily emphasized zero trust access. And that, I think, has been the government's solution to say we can enable work from anywhere. We can enable you to connect these users, these devices, the data, and the compute resources, regardless of where they are. And, and it's worth keeping in mind that the government has more operational technology, OT, than many people give it credit for, especially things like IoT. Uh, the Department of Defense not only has a lot of operational technology, they have to use it under very trying circumstances. You and I are both familiar with the phrase battlefield internet of things, the fact that DOD needs to be mobile and to do this. And then even civilian agencies like the US Postal Service are in fact as large or larger than many Fortune 500 companies in terms of their operational technology use. So the government really has begun to pivot in the direction of things like zero trust as a way of unifying their strategy to secure this proliferation of devices, data, and the ability to support this connect and access from anywhere. Yeah, it's definitely the way we do business. It definitely changed over that last year. I mean, with that acceleration, I mean, Again, we now have more devices and applications than ever before in that threat landscape. And you know, definitely the public sector being such a prime target because again, they provide such key resources. So it's definitely something that you know people need to be keeping in mind those implications when it comes to security. Absolutely. Um, people forget that, that we talk about critical infrastructure and yet government is one of the 16 critical infrastructures. That it is. So what new developments have you seen for converging network and security in the public sector? So again, let's go back to 2020. We had traditionally had, especially at the federal level, um, this way of saying users connected 
to the internet, um, to all of the applications, but they did through, so through either regional hubs or through their headquarters. And we ended up with what you could call either the trombone effect or the paperclip effect, that you'd have people in the field routing the traffic to headquarters uh, for processing, for security purposes, and then out to the internet. Highly inefficient. You and I both remember working on the Comprehensive National Cybersecurity Initiative and things like the trusted internet connection idea, which now has grown into something that says we can enable direct connection from the users to the internet. Uh, the government has begun to embrace software-defined wide area networking, SD-WAN, saying, you know, we no longer have to keep this old network topology, this old way of doing business, both because of the network architecture, but we can gain greater security at the same time. And the government has also begun to embrace SASE, this the idea of, of net, largely cloud-provided, secure access uh, service edge. So providing your services from the cloud. So we're seeing that we're seeing this evolution largely of the adoption of software-defined networking and similarly of software and cloud-provided security. Yeah, so how does this converged platform approach um, come into play when it comes to securing the network, whether that's you know thinking about Ethernet-based or you know from Wi-Fi? You know, Renee, this plays into something I tell leaders all the time. Don't fight technology trends, work with them. Work with Moore's law. Moore's law is not, you know, the idea that, that processing power grows exponentially. It not only allows you to get devices that are more powerful, it enables you to get devices that do more things as well as do them better and faster. Now that means in, even in the pure security space, we typically have one device that may replace a dozen legacy devices, but this idea of consolidation of functions is also touching this idea of convergence, the idea that networking and security are starting to come together. So increasingly, we're seeing these multi-purpose powerful devices that enable both. And you and I both dealt with this problem at the federal level. How do you integrate security? across organizations. We know how hard it is to do security within an enterprise. We have a textbooks of ways to fail. We know how to do it right. We don't always or even often do it right, but it's harder when you're trying to federate across these organizations. It's a combination of building that common operating picture, knowing what the heck is going on and doing something about it. And the reality is even the best integrated Federation um, is going to spend most of its time connecting the dots. They're not going to have much time to do anything about it. And that really pushes them in the direction of efficiency of execution. One of the critical ways to do that is this idea of a platform, uh, the idea of a cybersecurity mesh, this idea of saying you can offload, if you will, a lot of the work of driving this consolidation and convergence to the vendors rather than having to be government and do it yourself. You and I both know one of the biggest problems in government is the temptation to build it themselves uh, and reinvent a wheel that already exists on the outside. So this idea of a converged platform approach is really important uh, to government. It also enables, for instance, uh, the networking and security people to start from the same worldview. Because if I'm trying to federate my security, being able to say my knock and my sock are starting from looking at the same data, the same pane of glass, this is really fundamental to enabling this kind of approach to work. I mean, I think the flip side of that is not looking at a converged platform approach can really lead to gaps in your environment. And so, you know, speaking on the gaps, you know, what, what gaps or other needs that you've seen CISOs being discussed, you know, when it comes to securing their networks? And, 
you know, when, when you look at the reality of, you know, the adversaries and their motivation, their sophistication, you know, how real are these concerns given the threat landscape that we're seeing today? Well, to, to start with the first part of your of your question, yes, all of, all of the CISOs and CIOs I talk to acknowledge this continued need to expand digital services, both for citizens and for the workforce. So they're saying we've got to expand our digital environment. Uh, we take that as a given. We've got to we've got to do more, and, and that's going to frankly increase our vulnerability. Now, when you talk about threats, there are overwhelmingly two kinds of threats I hear about from CISOs. The first are the geopolitically driven ones. Given what's been happening in Europe and Ukraine, um, I hear parts of government, even local government, that typically would say, "Look, I'm not." going to consider myself targeted by advanced persistent threat actors such as nation states. But as I understand it, that might not be true now. So are they potentially targeted by something that would not be the case if we didn't have a crisis of this magnitude going on? Or do they risk being caught in collateral damage? You and I both remember NotPetya in 2017, the most damaging piece of malware the world has seen to date. It cost over $10 billion in damage, including hurting some well-resourced and very capable private sector companies. That, of course, was launched into Ukraine. And now it very quickly and rapidly and predictably went global. So these same government organizations are saying, well, even if I'm not targeted, am I going to be collateral damage? Am I just going to get caught in the crossfire of this? So they're worried about these advanced threats. Um, and the other one is, of course, they're worried about ransomware, especially in state and local government. The ransomware has been the gift that keeps on giving. It has been so consistently successful for criminals that we've seen those groups that normally would have come together and then dispersed as a technology was countered by industry and government. It, for years, has enabled them to stay together, to become more specialized, uh, to start to develop a lot of the same characteristics of sophistication and clandestinity that we associate with nation states. So it's what we're calling advanced persistent crime at Fortigard Labs. And, um, you know, we know that federal government self-insures, but uh, at the state and local level, 90% of the insurance claims that are being paid out now for cyber are for ransomware. So they are hugely concerned about ransomware and about ransomware becoming more sophisticated and doing more things than simply encrypting your data, stealing it, threatening to take it to the citizens, take it to uh, sell it on the dark web. So it's, it is becoming a, a real Hydra multi-headed threat. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot for, you know, CISOs to, to keep them on top of mind um, and a lot to keep CISOs awake at night. Um, so what advice would you give your peers when it comes to securing the evolution of, you know, wired and wireless networks? Because um, especially as we've seen that, you know, digital acceleration is going to continue to pick up stream, you know, going forward. So I'll give you three big points. The, the one that I've already mentioned, work with technology not against it. You're, you're going to do much better if you can work with these trends of convergence and consolidation. And if you look at the idea of the convergence of networking and security, and the idea that because of consolidation and the multifunctionality, convergence is supporting resilience. And I think resilience is key to giving you both greater performance and greater security. 
in enterprises. So this idea that as you put things together, you get multiple paths, you get, you get redundancy in both your security side and in ways of doing the networking, simply because you are bringing technology into the environment that is more capable and is more versatile. So work with the technology is number one. Number two, I tell governments partner. The reality is most technology innovation is driven by the private sector. And you and I know the U.S. government is especially guilty of, of inventing it or reinventing it. And we want to say, in general, look for commercial solutions. Even if you have to modify something, if, if they have spent time and money inventing something that works, start with that. See if it doesn't fully meet your needs. If there's a gap, then you figure out how to modify it, but partner. Don't feel the need to address a problem as if it is solely and uniquely yours. And, and thirdly, I go back to basics. I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule that while we talk about these things, these strategies we can do to help secure this, this idea of, of convergence and consolidation, you still wanna do the basics, especially on the security side. And I think if you say, look, if I can make sure that I'm doing the timely patching, if I can make sure I'm using multi-factor authentication, if I make sure that I have timely offline backups, I'm doing a lot to buy down my risk, to support uh, better security posture, and frankly, to give me a good basis for enhanced network performance as well. Yeah, well, Jim, that is some sound, solid advice. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I always enjoy chatting with you, Renee. And thanks for joining us on this episode of Take 5. For more information about the public sector, please visit our website at www.fortnetfederal.com. The Take 5 broadcast podcast is brought to you by Fortinet, securing your digital acceleration with the performance and scale needed to detect and prevent threats across an organization's entire infrastructure, including networks, endpoints, and clouds. <laughs>